I'm a little bit I'm a little bit toasty, I don't know. But other than that, I'm pretty good. I actually am too. It has been a little toasty. A little roasty toasty. Yeah. We but. got um we got an air purifier last week. Mm. Um because I mean I've been having various I think I've told you about this. I mean, well, it's it's come up on the podcast where I've had various nasal pressure issues over the last month mm-hmm. that have made evenings and sleeping really annoying. And so at first we were like, well, well, I, I did two things at the same time. One was let's get an air purifier. Maybe it'll help nasal stuff. I tend to have bad reactions to a lot of dust. So at least it's definitely not going to hurt anything to have one. And mm-hmm. especially, it'll be nice to have one before whenever fire season ends up happening, because that's when they all sell out. So now we just have one, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was good. It's actually it's it's a quite nice. It's it's not loud or anything, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. It does everything kind of automatically. It has just a little air quality sensor built in, and it'll just adjust itself based on that. Mm-hmm. And the other benefit is uh, it proved useful if when we do a lot of cooking and it has a deodorization filter. Ah. So our small apartment can um, remove the smell of grease and whatever a little bit faster. Yeah, but that's the best part. Well... You know, you don't mind it until you, you know, you're done cooking and then you go out for an hour and you come back and you're like, oh man, it still smells like so much like dinner <laughs> in and the worst possible way. And you're glad you made leftovers. Well. Now you can have a second dinner. No, that <laughs> typically doesn't happen here. So that was good. But the other thing I got is <laughs> hearkening back to a previous discussion. I did not mm. get a um, neti pot. Oh. Uh, I thought about it, but I I got Nasacord instead, which I don't think I'd ever actually heard of. I've heard of Nasanex. I think it's basically the same thing, you know, just some nasal spray that has something mm-hmm. in it that helps with nasal congestion, and it's been working wonders. As opposed to nasal sprays that don't have anything in them to help with nasal stuff. Exactly. I mean, it, it, to uh, to differentiate it from you have a saline solution that you just spray in your nose. Oh, there it is a slightly more active ingredient with a with a chemical name on it. Okay, so like, I guess what you're just describing that it's not is a neti pot, except you're just like spraying it like a lot. Yeah, because that's just a saline solution that you rinse through your nose. Yes, but the the neti pot thing was new to me at the time because my dad would just have a like nasal spray bottle that he would fill with salt water. Oh, that sounds weird. And that's what he like. That's what I learned growing up. What I feel like yeah. that'd make it worse. Why would it make it worse compared to running it through your entire system? Because like running it through your entire system, like you're flushing something out. Yeah, just I spraying it in there. You're just like misting in whatever crud might have contaminated the mister. Well, that's why you clean it. Okay. No, I mean like you have to clean the neti pot too. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. (laughs) In either case, the stuff that I got has been working well, and it's allowed me to actually sleep over the last couple weeks, so it has been good. Yeah. Yeah. Our softball team continues to be undefeated. 
Wow. I was I was happy I played mostly third base in our game on Tuesday and I actually I think I had like four or five balls hit to me and and I was very happy to know that my instincts are all still there. Good. That I I was very calm, cool and collected as I fielded each ball and mm-hmm. it all went just swimmingly. So nice. good confidence booster. I still don't like hitting in slow pitch though. I was going to say, is it, what don't you like about, actually, no, I'm going to ask the real question I have first, and then we can go back to the, like, the generic question. Okay. When you hit a slow pitch softball, does, does, is, is, okay, these are going to (laughs) be terms that I'm just making up because Uh of my lack of ball hitting skills. Uh Like, does the, is there a different bat feel to it if Hmm. you kind of try to read what i'm saying i know you can translate well, it's Grant, definitely so. going to be like hitting a ball that's tossed to you at probably less than 20 miles an hour definitely feels different than hitting a ball that's thrown at you at over 70 miles an hour that's for sure yeah that that's definitely the big difference but the bigger difference for me it has nothing to do with how it feels in terms of the like what it, what i feel in my hands Mm-hmm. That's, that's irrelevant it's the it's the, the mental feeling like the the reason that i hate hitting in slow pitch is because i have time to think oh. i'm sitting there it feels like it takes a minute for the ball to get to you and you're just sitting there staring at it and you have to consciously think do i think that this ball is hittable mm-hmm. and then you have to watch it either be hittable or not be hittable and okay. like it's just it's less like instinctual yeah like the only like in baseball it's just like you don't have time to think you're just basically reacting and uh, that makes it in my mind a little like obviously it's hard but it's like it's mentally easier because you're just up there mm-hmm. you know like yeah there's a little bit of thinking going on where maybe maybe you're the kind of hitter who likes to try to guess what might be being thrown to you um i i was never really that way and I never really played at a high enough level where it was worth trying to play that mental game anyway. Um, and so, yeah, like you just react and you can, and because the ball's coming on a mostly straight line in baseball, you get a much better sense mm-hmm. of, is this ball high or low or inside or outside? Like that's what my brain is trained for versus like this high arcing parabolic motion and you and your brain has to now figure out is this going to hit in a spot where the ump is going to call it a strike mm-hmm. when the part when the part that it needs to hit is like basically right by me like it's just a much weirder sensation mm-hmm. and like i haven't i haven't like swung and missed i haven't made a fool out of myself but i haven't really hit it hard either like i've popped out a couple of times and i've hit a couple of hard ground balls that i luckily got base hits out of mm-hmm. but like it's been pretty substandard and i was never a good hitter in baseball but like i have been a good hitter in previous softball seasons when that i played in college so like i know the ability is there but it's, i'm just not feeling it right now mm-hmm. so you gotta get back in the groove well yeah and especially like in baseball it was easy for me to like not hide behind my defense or whatever but like i i made my high school teams because i was a good defender i was very good at pitching and I was a team player. Like, all of that helped me make the team. <laughs> like, it was mm-hmm. well known that there are a couple of us who made the sophomore year baseball team. Like, I probably would have made it even if I was a little bit of a jerk. But there was one other person who made it 
almost explicitly because like over some other people because he was such a good teammate and we got mm-hmm. along super well because of that like it's nice to have people on the team who are nice and like to you know contribute to the team doing well beyond just being amazing at baseball you know mm-hmm. uh, but that matters a lot less to softball softball it's mostly about you just have to score a lot of runs <laughs> you know and like yes the fact that i can field the ball helps us stop the other team from scoring more runs but not so much that it really matters probably <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i don't know it, it doesn't the 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 equation of what matters in softball is different and i'm very aware of that so uh but it's still fun i'm glad that we're undefeated it doesn't mean we're first place in the league we're actually third place in the league because two other teams are undefeated but the first tiebreaker is run differential okay and so of the undefeated teams we have the worst run differential that's how it goes wait great oh okay yeah okay sorry i had to recalibrate my brain for a sec (laughs) we have not scored quite as many runs and or we have given up more runs Mm -hmm. than the other undefeated teams when we win um yeah so it's been good i'm kind of bummed that we have to miss our next two games because we'll be minnesota but that's how it goes Mm. it's all right that's can i ask why are you going to minnesota or like is it just like for funsies or oh uh jack's getting married oh i forgot that was yeah that's coming up okay yep so we got the hip and happening bachelor party oh yeah uh this weekend so that'll be nice um see some people that i haven't seen since college so i mean the of the people that that i haven't seen since college i think basil is the only one that you know mm-hmm. um the other one is just a guy that we met freshman year who was our next door neighbor in the dorms and neighbor oh. mark as i affectionately call him Ah, the inferior Mark. I have yes, heard of him. One before. of the many. Because I think there I was one of seven or eight marks on our floor freshman year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fun, and then the following weekend is the wedding itself. Okay. So yeah. So Mikhail's coming back? He is. Well he's been yeah, he's been romping about the continent, which you may know. Mm-hmm. Um so he is heading back along with Greg. I don't know if they actually synced up their flights or not. Um, I think they <laughs> at least tried to, but I don't know if they actually did. I'll have to ask them. <laughs> but yeah, so they'll both be back in the country, which will be cool. Um, yeah. Cool beans. Sounds like it'll be a good time. Yeah, it should be. It's nice having the, uh, similar to the, uh, when we went back in February and we kind of had a couple of specific things that we wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice having these like couple of very specific things of like, look, these are already on the calendar. They're big things. This is why we're coming back, and anything else is just like a bonus. Mm-hmm. It takes everything a little bit of the pressure is- off. Yeah, everything else is gravy. Exactly. What is when your? You think- what's your? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say when you think of that phrase, describe the gravy you picture. Well, I was just gonna ask you what your favorite kind of gravy is, um, which I think uh. is maybe the same question. I feel like I have the answer that's wrong. Okay. Well, when you first of all, when I if I don't think I ever really use the phrase everything's gravy, like I know it, but I think whenever I've heard it, I can't say I picture 
any gravy in my mind. It's just really? a phrase. Similar like if like if I hear the the classic phrase hot dog, I don't really you think don't of picture a, hot dog. a hot dog. I don't. What? The the phrase to those phrases to me just are a thing in the ether. And oh I separate gosh. them from whatever thing they're trying to evoke, I guess. I don't know. That that could be wrong. It's hard for me to say. Like, now that I've st- said both of those out loud, I'll probably start picturing both hot dogs and gravies. But at least for, in my mind, that feel it feels right that I just said that statement. That mm-hmm. I don't picture hot dogs or gravy. Hmm. Maybe uh, but I'm just it, a fatty. I don't know, I think I think it's just people uh, interact with language differently. It's like when you learn that there are people who are incapable or at least have a very limited capability of picturing things in their mind. Mm. Like they don't have like I don't know what the actual phrase is. Let's call it just like like an inner object recall. Like yeah. if I say picture an apple, some people can will basically be like, I don't really know exactly what you mean by picture an apple. Like, I can describe an apple, but they don't feel like they're picturing it. Like, they, they're not closing their eyes and thinking, like, this is what an apple... Like, they're not... They don't have an image of an apple in their head. Yeah. You know? It's, like, abstracted away somehow. Have we have we talked about this before? I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. I, I first heard of this from, I th- like, some CGP Grey podcast. Probably Hello Internet. Maybe not. I don't remember. Um, okay. But that's when I first like discovered this sort of thing is like the picturing things and the, and sub vocalization is the other one is sub vocalization. Like I know it as like audiation, uh, probably like is... if you read something, either you hear a, a voice in your head reading it to you or you don't. Okay. I hear sub vocalization. So the thing that I like, I've had multiple like band directors say it to me or like talk about it in uh rehearsals of like like a mat like if you're like trying to build a chord or something like think of your part of the chord and like hear your the chord in your head and like or like hear your pitch mm-hmm. and so like i i have like an internal voice so like i can read something and like have a voice in my head saying it but like whatever sound making ability that's in my head is like non-tonal yeah and so, like, I can't hear, like, not that I can't hear, but, like, when I, I can't, like, picture a pitch. Mm-hmm. It, it, no, I'm right like, there with you. I mean, I don't sub-vocalize. So, like, I don't have a voice in my head when I read things. Really? Yeah, no, not at all. And a similar thing is, like. Like, never? No, never. Huh. And, and uh, I mean, like, I could probably generate what I imagine one would be, but it's more, it's not, it's, like. It's more like then I would be making a conscious effort to be reading, but I wouldn't really be hearing a voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And, and from everything I've heard about subvocalization, it's like people who do it can imagine not having it, and vice versa. Like if you subvocalize, you like intuitively know that you do, and if you're questioning whether you do, it's almost certain that you don't. Hmm. And I'm not even questioning whether I do it. Like I pretty much know after listening to lots of conversations about it that I don't. And like a similar thing is like the, the idea of like, can you read a phrase without reading each individual word? Mm-hmm. Right. Like people who sub vocalize have a harder time. Like, let's say you just look at a billboard. Can you just like 
essentially read the billboard all in one fell swoop without really reading each individual part. Mm-hmm. Right, and like I know that I can just like look at a sentence and the meaning of the sentence, like what it says and all the words, like just sort of like absorb into my brain without me needing to be like this. These are the words in this sentence, <laughs> right? But in either case, I also cannot come up with pitches in my head. Like if I am t- like let's say tuning a timpani, like I am, I am humming. I'm doing anything I can to keep a pitch in my like in the front of my head i have to like yeah. generate it physically and even then i'm not very good at it because i never really practiced my ear training <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was by far my worst ability in any music course or music theory or anything like that was ear training i was terrible at it yeah the only way i barely skated through the ear training i had to do in a music theory class i took uh was thanks to ben Hmm. and because we practiced so much doing ear training in class and him having perfect pitch Mm -hmm. like it was super easy for him he tended i didn't i never learned how to hear the pitches i learned how ben reacted physically to different pitches (laughs) and i feel like that's cheating but nobody said it was like certainly not of the spirit of the assignment, but, <laughs> and like, he didn't know that he was doing it or mm-hmm. if he did, like he wasn't colluding in my efforts to skirt the system. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, cause it was like, there's a certain, like, especially like certain intervals that like, I like vividly remember how he reacts to them. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, there's always, there was like, it was something different for everything. It was so fascinating. That's really funny. There was only like a couple of those that really were easy for me because I could relate them to specific songs that I knew very well playing on piano. Oh, yeah. So in particular, the chord structure, like a 5-1-3 chord structure on piano. Mm-hmm. Um, like playing that as a major chord, like that is the easiest thing for me to recognize because it's the opening chord to Drops of Jupiter on piano. <laughs> and for some reason, that specific structure is just like burned into my brain. It's so easy for me to pick out. Yeah. Or at least it was at the time that I was taking music theory, you know, uh, eight mm-hmm. years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of that stuff in music and other things that I do. But music is where it became evident to me where I have like a good technical skill at something but it's not Mm -hmm. it was it didn't it would never become without a lot a lot of work as general purpose as people like ben could do yeah like like for example playing drum set it i could practice hard enough to play most things on set but i never but i didn't have like independence of limbs and I don't think Ben started as having like true independence of limbs, but he was much further along in that path than I ever got. Mm-hmm. And so if he was reading drum set music, he could more naturally be like, yeah, these are just the four things that my four limbs have to be doing and I'll just do them individually. Mm-hmm. And I had to like build up and find this pocket of like, okay, I feel how it, how my entire body is moving and now I got it but I can't yeah. 
independently do it similar to like playing just like a three on two pattern on your hands that's right? exactly what i was gonna bring up yeah it's like i can't literally just do three i couldn't do a seven on four pattern if someone just asked me to do it you know i would have to like sit there and like practice it and then eventually i'd build up to that yeah you know and now i know a three on two like it's so easy for me a four on three is also pretty easy but that's pretty much where it ends for me because i haven't taken the time to learn any others <laughs> Hmm. yeah i feel like <sighs> with me especially the three on two is the one that like hits me the most is just like the i can do it because i've learned how the limbs depend on one another yep it's like yep. the opposite of independence of limbs yeah and if i were good at it then i could do like three on two with three on my left hand instead of my right really easily and like i can do it pretty okay but it's it's le- it's less comfortable right mm-hmm and that's like a really that's that, that makes it really evident that it's like just a learned thing that I do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just kind of roll with it. It's kind of like now I'm learning a lot more guitar. It's the same thing of like if I I know that if I put in a lot of time, I can get to the point where I could sort of mock be a very good general purpose guitar player. Mm-hmm. but that takes a lot of work and for the most part it's like if i'm playing if i'm like learning a new song using like guitar tablature i have to just sit there and just like sort it out you know just little by little i'm not just like yeah. picking up music really quickly um with piano i'm more or less there like piano and like eventually with marimba like stuff like that like my brain understands the way that a keyboard works and so like it's fine um but yeah i don't know it's Mm -hmm. i try not to get too demoralized by it i just sort of (laughs) take it as it comes (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe Uh. i've brought this up before but i just your discussion of guitar playing uh and like working through stuff just made me remember uh have you ever fallen into the the like i don't know like niche in youtube videos of the uh how am i gonna describe it professional musicians who go on like omegle or something and pretend to be beginners have talked about fail at it once and then like be like oh wait no i know one other song let me try it quick and then just like pull out like some like freaking like metallica solo or something i think you've told me about this we've definitely talked about omegle and i think you've told me about this because then i think the thing that i mentioned was uh, which is not the same thing, but I brought up the. I think it's Davy Five Hundred Four, the bass player. Oh, we had right? yes, we, we okay, got to yep. this point. Yes, yep. Still a good genre, though. Yeah, I mean, even just a genre of like hyper competence is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a whole uh, a, a podcast that I listen to um, that is like you know the podcast that we would have if we were doing this in you know for in twenty years from now. Because it's literally just like a couple of, well, I think one of the guys is technically in their 50s and one of the guys in their 40s, but, um, you know, they just chit chat, but they talk about one of the, one of the guys talks about teppanyaki videos is what he calls them, but it's just like videos that people take at very nice restaurants, like counter serve restaurants in Japan of Japanese chefs just being awesome at what they do. Yeah. Like not showy. They're not at Benihana. They're just doing their thing with immense precision and care. And like that's pretty much the entire oh. video. And they and they talk so much about that sort of stuff. <laughs> doing oh, I love when I like 
develop a technique to do something that's just like, mm. which is like, I know that like to me it doesn't feel that special or like maybe it does feel like it flows well, but I know like if someone who was totally unrelated to like my area of work like saw me, they'd be like, whoa, like how are you doing that? Because just mm-hmm. like you build that muscle memory that just like does it automatically. Definitely. I feel like, oh, and I'm just imagining people like people decorating cakes. That's something that mm. gets me. Like someone who like knows one. how to decorate cakes. It's just like how like they're just like spinning the thing and something there's frosting yeah, I can't, on. Yeah, it. I can't even frost a cake without half of the cake coming off with it. Like yeah, it's... exactly. <laughs> and in that moment, it becomes a a modern piece of food art of a deconstructed cake. I bet if I bought a more expensive pastry bag, I could do this well. <laughs> you know what else? It's going to be a tough transition. You know what else could do this well? I think a particularly savage chicken. Mm. Some particularly savage chickens by Doug Savage Mm -hmm. could maybe decorate cakes well. But we'll have to wait for a future episode to figure that out. Because this week with Savage Chickens, it opens up with an old-timey speaker. It's saying, what? Oh, a not old timey speaker, a new age uh, artificial intelligence named Hal Nine Thousand, right? My eyesight's going. Yeah, Hal Nine Thousand, maybe Nine Thousand and Six. That last zero looks kind of squirrely to me, but maybe I just need new glasses. Anyway, and it's saying, "What are you doing, Dave?" And it cuts to. A, I assume, a particularly savage chicken. Um, not not a particularly savage chickens, though. Uh, just one chicken. But sitting uh, somewhere in a space suit without a helmet on, with a bowl of something in front of it, probably cereal, uh, and a spoon. And the savage chicken is quite looking quite annoyed and responding back, same as five minutes ago, Hal, eating breakfast. Now, can you stop asking me that? Yeah, Hal, F off. Do you, uh, okay, so the main topic of conversation is, do you understand this reference? Yes, this is, I, this is a 2001 reference, correct, right? Correct, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I just wanted to check. I wouldn't um, have noticed it was Hal 9000 until I read, what are you doing, Dave, and was like, that feels familiar. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I look closer. Do you? When did you first watch two thousand one? Oh, I don't know if I want to remember? admit this to you on the podcast. I'm not going to be upset. I'll tell you when I first watched it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was on the flight back from California when I last saw you, or when I last like visited you out there. So like what? <laughs> two and a half years ago. <laughs> what? That is quite the choice of movie for a flight. Did you stay awake whole, for it? It was a horrible choice of movie for a flight. No, that's my point. I'm being I'm being very sarcastic. Not only is that a terrible choice for a movie for a flight, it's also a terrible time like it's it's a bad setting for that movie. It was like that's the other thing. It was like that one is of the, the worst, worst movie conceivable. experiences I have ever had. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, because it was like kind of hard to hear. Uh huh. Felt real slow. Uh huh. 
And, like, I don't know. I need to watch it again in a better setting. I recognize that. Uh, but it was just, like, very weird. And I was just, like... Because I... Oh, it's I so weird. <laughs> picked on it because, like, it was a flight. Like, there weren't any good movies. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, oh, 2000... Like, I've been meaning to watch this for forever. This is a really good movie. This will be great. <laughs> then, like, ten minutes and I was like, oh, this is a mistake. But I'm too deep now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like 2001 occupies a large like section of media where I'll, where you eventually learn references to it and there's no need to ever watch it and you will get almost a hundred percent of any references to it you'll ever need if mm-hmm. you only see like essentially five minutes of the movie yeah and i feel like you'll enjoy it more and those first five minutes exist in the first 30 minutes of the movie and the rest is just wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah <sighs> okay so I, now that we've covered that i did want to talk more broadly about science fiction oh i'm um, talking about chickens no we're talking about science fiction okay so uh, other than the expanse which you know i have a flight coming up so i'll finally start watching it again you know maybe i'll finish episodes three and four this time <laughs> oh. you just gotta power through season one you just gotta do it I mean, I'll I'll make my way through. I've I've watched essentially zero TV since I watched episodes one of two of The Expanse back in like February. Wow. Because I think at that point I'd already finished Lost in Space, and that's the last show that I've watched. Oh my gosh! Did I tell you that I watched Lost in Space? Yeah, we we talked about it because I told you that I was watching The Expanse, and you told me that you watched Lost in Space. Yeah, like you'd pushed me to like, and I watched season one, right? And then we talked about that. Oh, okay. I didn't, I don't, yeah, you didn't tell me that you had finished. Oh, yeah, I binged the rest of it in the next week. Nice. And I was pleased with it. I thought I was going to hate it. I think the first time around, I didn't even finish season one. I think the first time I watched it, I got through like six episodes and gave up Hmm. because I just couldn't deal with, uh, with with that, with the one lady with the short hair. (laughs) Yeah. Can I, you okay bleeping with Dr. Bitchface, okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh she just pissed me off so much yeah but she became less piss me or she no, became was... a character rather than like a caricature she wasn't just like like she she had an arc even though it wasn't like a super great one it was like, at least she had like layers to her i'm gonna be honest i don't even think that's what it was for me i think it was oh, okay. more of I was more okay with others' responses to her. Mm, That's yeah, what, once once people started to be a little uh, cognizant of what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just fair. like, it felt like there was too much of like a suspension of disbelief of like, oh, no one's questioning that this crazy lady is like yeah. crazy. Yeah. But then That's once, once others in this, I guess, once others in the story like had a similar perspective to the viewers... Um. Then it made it, it much more comfortable. That's fair, and it's not like they could have given her an arc similar to, like Dawn's arc. You know, oh, there's only Dawn. room. There's only room for one of them to be the like new family member. Yeah. You know, so she just kind of had to continue on her path. <laughs> I think. Yeah. There are only two spots open in the family, and it was for Dawn and Debbie, right? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I, I assume you also meant the robot could be the third spot, but oh, maybe not. Okay, there were three spots. Don, <laughs> Debbie, and the robot. <laughs> and VJ. And Whoa. Whoa. What? Was that his name? Did I get that wrong? No, I think it's right, but like... Yeah. But he wasn't being like adopted into the family. Well, I know, but... You know. He was doing it the... No, we're going to shut up. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, he murdered someone and took on their skin. <laughs> That's right. He suddenly grew a blonde ponytail and he got really buff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, let me ask you this. Did you... Growing, well, growing up or not, or now, I don't really care. Have you watched any, like, real trash sci-fi from yesteryear? No. Okay. Wait, by trash sci-fi, do you mean any sci-fi or, like, legitimately trash <laughs> sci-fi? <laughs> I guess both. Because, I mean, I, I feel like between the 50s and probably, like, the 80s would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Probably the Ooh, only like 60s, like I guess like the Alien series was good. That's kind. Oh, that's did that count in this? I've seen Alien. Yeah, that counts. Two thousand one, um, the original War of the Worlds. Ooh, like, those I are have good seen movies. that. I have seen but the original not... War of the Worlds. It's cool. I have not seen the modern one. To be honest, neither have I. I don't really want to. Because I think the original one was cool. I, I watched in elementary school and I read War of the Worlds again. I was years. I was very impressed because when I learned like how they did the lasers. That was insane to me. Yeah, like, the hand drawing? Yeah, they literally just like essentially colored them in with a colored pencil on every frame. Yep. Like talk about a crappy task for an intern. No kidding. But probably not actually an intern because it was, like, cutting edge at the time. Well, yeah, it's like when you learn, um, are you aware of, uh, is it Studio Ghibli, like Miyazaki? Like those movies? Like Spirited Away? I'm aware of them. I haven't seen any of them, and I don't really... Spirited Away is the only one that I have seen, but, like, most of the, like, broad scenes of that are all hand-painted. Like, painted. Jesus... Yeah, <laughs> um, but no. When I when I talk when I mean bad sci-fi, I mean like bad sci-fi, <laughs> like some black and white sci-fi, just stuff that makes no sense. Stuff that literally looks like it. They're using um, like toys off the shelf of the of the local, oh. um, you know, general store. <laughs> just I, like <laughs> yeah i haven't seen anything like that but i feel like i should i feel like i might enjoy it more, honestly more than 2001 they're hilarious um i feel like they might have like a kind of sharknado like vibe to them oh yeah that's on definitely why i would true. enjoy them i'm looking on uh i'm trying to see if i can because i don't remember the names of the ones that i watched with my dad um, there were some particularly hilarious ones, but I'm currently on the list of the top 100 worst sci-fi movies of all time, mm-hmm. according to some random website called <clears throat> Stacker. Um, oh, this looks like a winner. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. What the heck? 
That seems almost as good as the the MST3K one that I told you about called Santa Claus. Where it's Santa Claus versus Satan. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Haven't I told you about that? You might have, and I might have just blocked it out. That sounds insane. All right. Let me send you... Let me see if I can find the movie itself. Santa Claus 1959. It's because I think it's a movie that's in Spanish, if I remember correctly. Oh. Um, Santa Claus, sometimes also known as Santa Claus versus the Devil, is a 1959 Mexican fantasy film. I'll, I'll throw a link to the Wikipedia page for you and a Skype. Um, in the film, Santa Claus works in outer space and battles with a demon named Pitch sent to Earth by Lucifer to ruin Christmas by killing Santa and making all the children of the Earth do evil. Oh um, but the hilarious part of this movie, which I've definitely told you about, but I'll just remind you, is there is a like 15-minute scene where we're first introduced to Santa's workshop off in the clouds above North Pole. Where it is like, because, you know, in some versions of Santa Claus, it's not elves, it's like children who make the toys, right? So it is an incredibly racially insensitive intro to a bunch of different cultures making toys. (laughs) And they're all singing uh, songs in the quote-unquote style of their culture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's so bad, but so funny. Oh man, yeah, it's a good it's a good episode of MST3K. I mm-hmm. might still have that on Netflix. I'm not sure. I don't know if they only have the new version of MST3K or if they also have the old ones. But it's quite a hoot. Hoot hoot. Grant has brought Bird and Moon by Rosemary Mosco. We have a beautiful cardinal. Um. Sitting on perched atop a precarious little twig. It looks like it's probably maybe like winter time, you know, somewhere on the tail end of winter time, perhaps. It's hard to tell. Um, given that they're, unless this is meant to be, uh, it's so hard. I can't tell what this yellow stuff is behind them. Is this meant to be clouds in the sky? I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. The, the cardinal is singing a little song. And now the Cardinal's in the background as two people uh, in the foreground are talking. The one on the left says, what bird am I hearing? And the one on the right says, meh, just a Cardinal. And we zoom in on the Cardinal, who looks a little miffed as as he hears the uh, people continue on. Boring. Yeah, snore. Let's go find some good birds. And uh, the Cardinal is pictured reading a book titled Birds of North America. And with a couple books stacked on top, he is now um, looking at a map of the United States that um, says NOR Cardinal Range. NOR probably stands for like North American Cardinal or something like that. Uh, but looking at a map of it's where it's supposed to be during regular times. And it's mostly centered, like it's kind of like imagine, you know, a little bit west of the Mississippi, but mostly east of the Mississippi, except going down to Texas and a little, you know, southwest of there. And the entirety of California and the Pacific Northwest is colored white, indicating there are no cardinals there. And so 
the cardinal has a push pin over in the general location of maybe Indiana, let's say, uh, which is where it presumably currently is. There's a string tied to that up to a um, push pin in the Pacific Northwest in the region of Washington, Oregon. And there are several post notes with arrows pointing to the second push pin. Smash cut. The cardinal is flying at the speed of a cardinal across a sign that says, Welcome to Oregon. And it alights upon a branch very similar to the one that it had left in the general region of Indiana and begins chirping to itself. And a couple of people, uh, distinctly different from the first couple of people, as we can tell by their hair color, uh, say, Is that a cardinal? No way, that's so rare. And now so, so proud of itself, uh, fluffing itself up, eyes closed, content, as the people around the cardinal continue to say, Beautiful feathers! Wow! It's gorgeous! Beautiful. Gorgeous. Wow. Mark, (laughs) what's the last compliment you were given by a stranger? Compliment given by a stranger? Or... Uh, I'll, I'll make it easier. Compliment given by somebody who isn't your significant other or a family member. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll go with two. Um, yesterday we won bar trivia and on a tiebreaker again, and we were one of two teams who were specifically called out by the quiz master as teams that show up here every week. Mm. Um, the other team is team team. That's their name, and they tend to be better than us on average. Uh, we're always all in like the top four or five teams, but they more typically than not have beat us, and that's the only the second time we've won. And one of the guys came up to us and said, hey, good job. Not directed at me, but directed to our team, so I count it. Um, and then the day before that at softball, I was given uh, many uh, congratulations and and what, what have yous about the... Very nice plays that I made in softball. Nice. So I'll go with those. Sweet. I think you deserve them. Well, thanks, pal. You're a great guy. You deserve more compliments. Thanks. You do, too. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Does that count as a compliment? You deserve more (laughs) compliments. I think you deserve more compliments. Just walk away. (laughs) I'm not going to give you one because you suck. But I think no, that is a compliment. More. It's a compliment to say that you deserve more compliments, but it's a very generic one. Eh. I don't know. I you just... deserve more compliments. I don't know what all those other people are talking about. I. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Too real, dude. Too real. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that off air, but... <laughs> mm.